0: Joshua chapter 6. I want to speak on a time to trust. I'm not going to rehearse the world's turmoil because we all know plenty about it. If you don't just spend about 15 minutes or two hours on television, and let me tell you, you will find out very quickly, this world is in trouble. I mean politically, financially, uh, ethnically, everywhere. We're just, we need, we need a revival and we need God. Amen. I want to read you a story that I think is probably at least for Bible students and people that are word people and every Christian should be a word person. I want to go back to what I hope is a familiar story, but I want to read it for us. It's a picture and join me in Joshua chapter 6. I'm going to ask you to go to verse 6 with me on your Bible or iPad or phone or whatever. Then Joshua the son of Nun, this is chapter 6, verse 6, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant, let seven priests here bear seven trumps of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city and let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumps of ram horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets. And the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets. And the rear guard came after the ark while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Verse 10. Now Joshua commanded the people saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout, then you shall shout. Verse 11. So we had the ark of the Lord circle the city going around it once. Then they came to the camp and lodged at the camp. Drop down to verse 14. Let's continue this story. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did this, or that, six days. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day. Catch that, they got up early. All godly people rise early. <laughs> it goes over like a pork in a synagogue, doesn't it? Oh wow, you, you don't have your sense of humor today. They, they rose early, dawning the day, and marched around the city seven times in the, manor, the same manner. On that day, only they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priest blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord, what's the next two words? What is it? Has given you the city. Verse 20. So the people shouted with the when the priest blew the trumpet, and it happened that when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout, the wall fell down. I want you to know it didn't say the wall fell down, it the wall fell down flat. We'll come across that later. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. I want to just say this in simplicity. They got exactly what God told them he would give them. It has been 40 plus years, God said, I give you that. 40 years, an entire generation... Had to, in a sense, cycle out before God could fulfill that. I want us to get this picture. I believe this story is a, is a, about Jericho is a marvelous picture for believers. This story, as we read it, we draw pictures in our mind, and I will tell you, it will capture your imagination. I I want to be theologically correct, and I could preach about ten sermons this morning. I want to give you a good outline for one through the chapter, the sixth chapter, and I'll let somebody else, all these other ministers, greater theologians than I am, bring this. I'll give the outline, and they can preach it. But chapter six, there are three major insights for us in this chapter. First of all, our God is a God of strange strategies. I want to tell you, to the mind of the, hum- to the human mind, sometimes the thing God speaks, even what He says to us and in the Word, can seem mighty peculiar. But I have, to, I have to instruct you a little bit. Listen, God is far beyond the human mind. And I've said it so many times, I'm glad we can't figure God out. If He wasn't so far beyond us, if we could ever figure Him out and get it straightened out, then He would cease to be God. And one day, the scripture tells us, Paul wrote it to the Corinthians. He said, we're going we're gonna to know him and know then as we're known now. Let me tell you, we're going to have a great improvement when we get to the eternal kingdom. I can't wait to be brilliant. Mentally. <laughs> but watch strange strategies. Number two, that's, that's, that's verses 1 through 5. Or ch- one through five. The, the second is the result of true worship. Watch this. Henry, our fine arts director, he said this morning, Worship this year. Worship this year. Let me tell you the result of, of, of true worship. result of true worship is obedience. It's obedience. Because when you, when you get beyond yourself and you worship the Lord, and you empty yourself of yourself, you become obedient to the urgings of God's Word and His Spirit. And the third thing is this. That's verses 6 through 19. Verses 20 through 27. God gives, a, gives victory to the obedient people. Let me declare. You, you, can, you can try all you want and expect God to bless you all you want in 2020. But if you don't obey the Lord, blessings aren't coming. Now, there's blessings Satan gives us, and some things may be temporary, but I want to tell you, don't expect God's major blessings if you do not obey the Lord. If if my boys aren't living for the Lord when I leave this planet and God retires, they won't get what I have. I will not prosper that which is not aligned with the Lord. That seems harsh, doesn't it? You know, that's a good incentive to live right. Well, if I had more, maybe. (laughs) Beginning a new year. It's a fitting and proper time for us to consider renew and re-vow. And can I say, remember to trust God. I want to talk to you about a time to trust. Let's see if we can identify. I promise you this was a pastor and his name was David. This is not my story. Okay, I want to tell you a story about a pastor friend named David. He tells a story, I found myself early on the morning catching an early flight. As I drove by the airport, I drove to the airport, I noticed there was a great amount of fog. Nevertheless, they got us checked in, we boarded the plane. We sat on the plane some 30 to 45 minutes, and then we finally heard the news That every traveler hates to hear. Ladies and gentlemen, we are sorry to inform you that we cannot make this flight due to too much fog. Federal regulations require a quarter mile clearance and vision. Passengers, if you will, please deboard the plane. Isn't that just a great day? Don't you love it? Especially if you're all the way to the cheap seats in the back. (laughs) He said, everybody started deboarding but me. And he said, I sat there. And I decided while everybody's getting off the plane that I would have a conversation with God. And it went something like this. I reminded God that I had been away from my office and my family for over a week and I needed to get home immediately, if not sooner. Have you ever wanted to give God those kind of instructions? (laughs) Lord, let me remind you, the pilot, the controllers in the tower, they all have access to radar. They know how to use it. Lord, we have all this modern technology. And while he was talking to the Lord, about that time, the attendant glanced his way. Nothing had to be said. It was his time to make his exit. He said, then I heard it, that small voice of the Lord. Answering my question. David, do you know the pilot? Is he rested enough to fly early this morning? Is he an alcoholic? Did he drink last night? Does he have a hangover? He might have even forged his pilot's license. Truth is, you have no idea about his character or his flying skills. Think about it. Still, you're willing to bet your life on his ability to fly this plane through fog. What about us? Do we easily sometimes, out of our desire, trust things we shouldn't be trusting? How quickly, ladies and gentlemen, do we dismiss the God of our faith because circumstance is not like we would desire it? How I many of you know that pill didn't go down? and had no sugar on it very well. It didn't do it. So God went on. I find it very difficult. To understand that you would trust a man you do not know. To take you somewhere he cannot see. When you will not trust me to take you where I can see. He said, I got off the plane in a hurry. I sat down, waited, on the next flight, boarded, on the takeoff, immediately, I began to notice the magnificent scene that God had painted for us. The mountains were glistening with the dew. The leaves were color in their changing. He made the comet it look like a Thomas Kincaid painting. And he heard God say these words to him. David, see what I see. So I want every one of you to say your first name, followed by God speaking, saying, see what I see. You ready? Your first name, and then see what I see. Ready? Say it. David, see what I see. Say it again. David, see what I see. John? See what I see. Matt, see what I see. See what I see. I want to leave us with that important information. Ladies and gentlemen, in this year of 2020 Perfect Vision, we need to learn (laughs) to view... Possibilities that God has for us through His eyes and not our own. It's called faith. We must learn to totally trust God. In this chapter, Israel, just as Israel was on the verge of finally, after a disobedient generation, finally obtaining their promised land, I believe we too are at a place where we must learn to fully trust God. And there's some points about that trust I want to talk to us about. I wish I had time to read the first five chapters and place emphasis upon the tenses of the verb. I, I had us emphasize it a well while ago to kind of open our mind to it. But the tenses of the verbs that God used the first five chapters to Joshua to get him to the sixth chapter. And he, he mentioned things like, I have given, I am giving, I have given. God says in numerous times in the first five chapters before it ever happens, I have given, I am giving. He didn't say I will Or shall, he said, I have. That spoke trust to that leader and that nation. And I want to tell you, God already has in mind what he is giving us at this point. We need to realize that it's a present tense. God's ready. Will we trust him for it? Let's look at how Joshua responded to these challenges. It's an example to us. Martin had four points. I didn't know what he was going to preach. I have four points. Ready? Number one Joshua learned to trust God's promises. How many of you know this book is a book of promise? Do you trust him for it? Do you trust him with it? In chapter two, um, verse two of chapter six, God said, See? Let's go back. See what I see. Pastors see what I see. Believer, God says, "See what He sees." We get so mesmerized by circumstance and things that demand our hearing and our sight and our response. And we, I think we, we don't see what heaven wants us to see, and we don't hear what heaven wants us to hear. I want to tell you, Isaiah, the old prophet of old made this statement. My wife was singing it to me or talking to me on the road this morning and it made me speed and I thought I was going to get stopped by a city policeman who passed me. Not kidding. I'm just kidding. She was saying that in the city police. Not her fault I was speeding. She was saying, Isaiah, they that wait upon the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. They shall mount up like wings of eagles. They shall walk. What is it? Do you know it? They shall run and not be weary, walk and not faint. The songwriter said, "Lord, teach me to wait." Let me hit us really hard because most of us don't think we have time to wait. To still have a friend in the house. We don't have time to wait. God, I've got too many things going. You know, he might stop your airplane. He might fog up your vision. (laughs) See what I see. In verse verse 2 of 6, I have given Jericho to your hand, and its king, and all of its mighty men of valor. Under each of these points this morning, I have two essentials that I want us to get out of this. Joshua had to learn to trust God's promises. Letter A, truth is the essence of God's nature. God cannot lie. God does not deal in lies. If he says it, it is emphatic and it's absolute. Don't question it wow he is nature's truth and faithful secondly for proof of that look to the look to the past Joshua 1, let me read read verse 2 and 3. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land that I will give you. No, that I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you as I said to Moses. I have given it. But you've got to obey and trust. Ladies and gentlemen, every one of us is here in this building and Christ's Legacy Church is here because He has given us life. And we have purpose for being here. We must learn to trust God's promises. Secondly, Joshua had to learn to trust God's plan. Here's where we, we have a little more trouble. The two essentials is this. First of all, God's plan is always to our advantage. I'm going slow purposely. God's plan is always to our advantage. But sometimes it takes time. And how many of you know that we are impatient people? How many of you know some impatient people around you? Do they think you are? I am. I, I've told you before, I want to be where I'm going before I get in an automobile. <laughs> I want to be there now. So how many of you are impatient? Come on, let's confess it this morning. How many of you are impatient? How many of your mates are impatient? No, not better. Impatient? Impatient. We snarl. We talk to the drivers in front of us. I'm going to tell you, when I'm on television and politics, I I want to jump in the middle of that thing and say, shut up, let me talk a while. Let me see if I can rattle some kind of sense between your ears. (laughs) It's frustrating. God's plan, wow, it is always, let me say it personally, God's plan for you is always for your advantage. It may seem complicated. At times it may seem odd. It may take more time than you want. And just like this, we read it just in the text, it may be a strange strategy. But rest assured of one thing, God always wants the best for His children. And let me say this. I, I love us. I love, I, I love humanity. I, I, I have, a. I think, a healthy idea of me. But we need to understand that we are, the, we are the apple of God's eye. God loves us and He wants the best. And if we, read the New Testament, if, if, if your parents, earthly parents, want to give good things to you, how much more the Father wants you to have what He wants you to have? It's to our advantage. Secondly, in, in His plan is this. This, this, is, this is going to sting us. And I realize when I say this, my fellow ministers and people all over the nation on, on Facebook, they, they, I just, I'm just going to, it's true. It's true for everybody. His plan, we have to trust his plan. His plan never, is never designed to exalt us. Can you imagine, watch this, can you imagine, and remember we're at war here in Jericho. We've got soldiers, we've got priests with trumps, and we've got the Ark of the Covenant. And we're marching around this city. Let me see, let me see if I can get this straight. There's going to be the army guys... And then there's the seven priests with seven trumpets. And then there's the Ark of the Covenant. And then there's the army guys behind it. And we're going to march around this city an entire time. And all we're going to do is blow the trumpet. And we can say absolutely nothing. We're going to follow the Ark of the Covenant or lead the Ark of the Covenant. Totally silent. Seven priests will blow the trumpet. Every day. Every day. Oh, and then on the seventh day, we have to get up early for work. And we will march around that city seven times silently. And then, all at once, when the trumpet sounds on the seventh day, our leader is going to say, Shout! And you mean, I'm just telling you from a human reasoning standpoint, you mean to tell me that this 11 feet high and 14 feet wide double walls are going to fall down. I want you to tell me that makes sense to the human mind. Unorthodox at best. So I want you to imagine the ego, if you will, of the trained soldiers of the Israeli army that's in front of the priest in the Mark of the Covenant and behind it. They're marching around this city. Can you imagine? They're not allowed to say a word. They're not allowed, not make a noise. They're just marching. Can you imagine that this, this wall was some 14 feet wide? You could drive chariots on top of it from history and archaeology. And, and you're, their, their armies are up there because you're a threat. Can you imagine how many of their soldiers jeered at the Israeli soldiers? What are you doing, big boy? You marching around, not saying a word? I don't know. I'm using my imagination, but I know people pretty good. And do, do, do you not think a soldier, trained soldier, it wants them, make them want to do something? But one thing you learn in the military, you only do what you're told, you don't add to it. Here they are marching. You're not going to fire an arrow. You're not going to throw a weapon at them. And as a soldier who's trained, life or death, you do nothing but march. Ladies and gentlemen, listen. Those walls will fall. Here's the truth. It will not fall by human ability for man's glory. It will fall by the faith of faithful followers who follow his plan so that he receives the glory. I was reading in archaeology this week about these walls. They were 14 feet apart, double walled, 11 feet high. Archaeologists come and escalate, and they they realize that the inside wall fell inside and the outside wall fell inside, which actually made a ramp so the Israeli army could come right up over into the city and defeat it. I'm going to tell you, God does things well. And those are historical archaeological facts. Aren't you glad? Thirdly, Joshua had to learn to trust God's power. The ark of the Lord in that day was considered the place where God resided and in that ark was his power. And Israel was told, if you you take that ark with you because you've sanctified yourselves and you have worshipped me and we've got our relationship in line and I have a plan for you, I have a promise for you, I will give you that power to go with you and you are guaranteed that I will bless it. Here's the two essentials in trusting God's power. Number one, God's power does not have a limit. And when God's in process of doing something on your behalf, you rest assured there are not enough devils and demons in existence to stop what God wants to do for you. The ark represented the presence of God and God's power. Secondly, under trust in His power, God's power, don't miss this, God's power is personal. While the battle is ultimately God's to win, He allows we, His children, the privilege to participate with Him. And ladies and gentlemen, it's that particular time when we become representatives of God's provision. God will do through us what He wants. And in the midst of it, because we believe it and we're obedient, God will bless us as His representatives in doing what He wants in our lives and the enemy's place. God has this from start to finish. Amen. I'll be there in a minute. Number four, Joshua had to learn to trust God's provision. I, I, I like to say this. I'm going to start out this year saying this. God is not nervous. God is not anxious. God is not upset. God's not worried. God's not wringing His hands, saying, Oh, what if somebody makes that decision or something? Listen, God's never said oops. He's never said uh-oh. He's all got it. He has it all planned. And every king, every president, every leader, every everything on planet earth, his foot still is going exactly like he planned it. Stop getting nervous. I preached years ago, everything's alright in Father's house. But you've got to trust his provision. The two essentials is this. Obedience comes before provision. Obedience comes before provision provision. You want God to supply all your needs according to riches and glory? Obey Him when He says, bring your tithe to the storehouse. Now let's shout. I prompt your heart to give to missions. And you may not get a new set of golf clubs. Or a new hairdo. I better stay even here. (laughs) Obedience comes before provision. God said, try me. I'm not going to do this up front. You try me. I want to see if you're obedient. Uh, You know what God wants? God wants your heart. God wants you to write relationship. It's the principle. It's not the finance. Are you kidding me? God can make all the gold he wants. But he wants your heart. And he gives you a choice. And that's the one thing he leaves to you. the, The right to choose. Obedience comes before provision. Watch this. They obeyed. They marched. Now, I've been in the army. I've been in uniform. I've carried a weapon. I've been trained in a lot of ways. I want to tell you, when it's time to war, you get your mindset there, and there's an enemy, and that's a mindset that you you probably don't understand unless you've been there. I can't imagine. I'm out here with a weapon of whatever sorts, bow and arrow, rock, slings, I don't know what they had. I do know they had big swords. But here we are, we're ready for war, and I can't say a thing? Oh, my goodness. I, I can't do anything? I'm just marching? How many of you soldiers want it? When, when it's on, it's on. Well, you wouldn't raise your hand now for anything, would you? When it's on, it's on. But you've got to go God's, this, this way, this way. God has a reason for everything He does. But they, they obeyed. They marched. They obeyed. They kept silent. They obeyed. And then when they were told to shout, they obeyed and shouted. The result was, the wall didn't fall down. The wall fell down flat. The Hebrew word is takath It means flat. It means the bottom. That word was specifically using used by the Holy Spirit emphatically and it shows that God ladies and gentlemen will reward our faithful obedience it shows God is committed to fully meet the needs of his children all he wants us to do is obey and follow we make life pretty complicated sometimes If there's anything I want to challenge you to change in your life this year, is this: stop letting the demands and the circumstance, situation dictate what you listen to, what you see, and how you respond. Let's put God first in our lives and say, Lord, I want you to say, David, see what I see. It stirred me deeply. How many of you want to see what God sees? Don't you want to see what God sees? How many of you want to obey God? How many of you want the blessings of being obedient with a better truck driver than John? (laughs) I, 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 I want to see what God sees. I want to hear what God wants me to hear. I want to obey and I want to see what God wants to bless me with. And I want to tell you this. There is not anything God cannot fix. Pastor Martin preached on healing this morning. Salvation, relationship, ethnic problems, and a sin-sick soul. And God can heal it all. So I'm going to get where we live and I'll be through in 2020. Young people, mom and dad. God desires us to allow us personally to to participate in His plan. So if God wants us to participate, if you're the enemy, what would you do to try to stifle it or stop it? So I have some questions I want you to think about. I started out with saying, I wanted to say I have two questions and two turned into a lot more than two. So I want you to think about this. What is the Jericho or Jericho's plural What are they in your life? What have you been 40 years trying to conquer? Or four months? Or four days? Or a lifetime trying to conquer? It's a Jericho. Make a list of places in your life that you are most vulnerable Here's some question to ask. What are my major temptations? What what is a is it a struggle with doubt? Is it a struggle with pride? Is it a difficulty taking God at his word? When he says march when you want to fight, be quiet when you want to speak. Is it a struggle with an unforgiving spirit in you? You're not gonna go, attention, young people. Flash news flash late minute alert. You're not gonna go through life and not be hurt. Somebody's gonna hurt you, hurt you deeply. Somebody's going to wound you till you can't imagine. And sometimes it's not easy to deal with, but you've got to go to God and you've got to say, Lord, my spirit's been wounded and I have an unforgiving spirit and I can't do it for myself, but here I am. Do something in me for me. You're going to be wounded deeply. But don't rebel against it. Don't decide you're going to do things your way. And for whatever you do, don't go the world's way. Because the the, the very devil that hurt you through whomever is the very devil that will try to destroy you with how he hurt you. Young people get wounded, they make bad, bad, bad decisions. Come on, parents say amen. Go to God. He's the healer. Is it a problem with resentment and bitterness towards somebody who's betrayed you? Is it a struggle with illness? Is it a struggle with a loved one that's gone? Is it a struggle with a relationship? Because these are where we live. I want to say, get it lined up. Get into the presence of God. Mom and Dad, if you're having problems in your home... If you have to farm the children out a while, farm them out. Get in that house and make an altar in that living room, mom and dad, and get it fixed. Come on, folks, say amen. Get this right with the Lord. If you've got problems in your home with children, get them all together in the living room. Let's have family altars. Satan trying to destroy you with those relationships, get in charge. Spiritually in charge. Let me ask you this. Here's the tough one. Is it a struggle with emotions? Sometimes you just have to go and say, God, I can't control this. I've been hurt. I've been wounded. Or I have this out of balance thing. And God, I pour, I, pour, I, throw myself on the floor at your mercy. God, do a miracle in me. I want to tell you something. God will meet desperate people. But the reason that it's usually desperate is because we try to do it on our in our way for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years all the time. We're losing and wonder why at the end of life we've lost it and don't have an opportunity to come back. Get it fixed now, today. Emotions. Is it a struggle with an overbearing somebody trying to bully you? Get it taken care of. That's all my first question. Here's the second question. Here it is. I mentioned it a time or two. Don't miss it. Are you letting God conquer your Jericho for you? Well, well, Pastor, I'm afraid to go to somebody. God will go with you. How many of you believe that? God will go with you. Don't be afraid of rejection. They rejected Him. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is make it right. And then you leave it in God's hands. And you'll walk away. Even if that person doesn't forgive you. If you don't get the audience you wanted. If that doesn't happen. Here's the truth. God will give you a piece because you've done what you're supposed to do. God will take all that off of you. And listen, you won't keep them more important than God. And they don't keep hurting you when you could be living in victory instead of still trying to do it your way. Or living by fear? Are you letting God conquer your Jerichos for you? Is it your power or His? Is it your plan or God's plan? Is it God's way or your way? And the message is this. God is in the business of giving victory to obedient children. Can you say amen? My, my challenge for you in 2020, I challenge you in a new, entirely different way. Die to yourself. God's plan may seem strange. It may see a, seem a strange, strange strategy. And it may cost you some pride. You may have to do it God's way. The world will not easily let you reject it. Did you hear me? Young people, the world will not easily let you reject the world, but reject it because God's a healer. And hey, may we receive that word. Get it done. Get it done.